Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Department 12 podcast. And uh, if you haven't listened to episode 6, you will want to go back and listen to that now, because this one won't make much sense unless you have. This is Dave Bracken's response to some of my questions and also to a listener question. So he starts by responding to my uh, hatred of the word ratee as the person who is rated in an assessment. So he says, I get it. It's not great. doesn't even pass spell check, but... As I tell my team when I have one, if you have a problem, bring it to me, but come with a solution to propose as a discussion starter. I sometimes use leader, since that is usually the case, but people argue that everyone is a leader or something to that effect. Or some of the raiders are leaders too, and so on. So then I try participant, but that is nebulous. I have used target or focal person, but that has connotations. In fact, in the right company, I might say victim and get a chuckle or two. You can even get into the discussions about avoiding uh, the la- or about using the label "rater" since that term implies evaluation that some people want to avoid. So maybe they are just observers. So I'd really like to hear if other folks, including uh, you, have a label that seems to work universally that is better than "ratee." Uh, no, Dave, I didn't bring a solution to this one. Uh, in most cases, I'd refer to the people rating as "raters," which is a weird word in its own right, and the people being rated as just employees. And yeah, I get how that can get confusing too. So consider me a useless complainer on this one. Dave also responded to a question from Paul Thorson. Paul asked, what do you think of 180s where it is just uh, manager and employee feedback? Uh, Dave responded, as for 180s, where the primary input is subordinates, I fully endorse and use them frequently for certain content. One of the primary criteria for the who gives feedback on what is opportunity to observe. It's often a challenge to construct items in a true 360 that are observable for all raider groups. One huge advantage of upward feedback, putting aside the manager or boss for a moment, speaking of label problems, is that you can ask direct reports about behaviors that are not observable by anyone else. I'm primarily thinking about the broad topic of feedback and coaching where the leader, that label works here, is often interacting with the direct report in a one-on-one setting and may act differently with each direct report. The manager or boss also does not see these behaviors, so they cannot provide good, reliable feedback. For a true 180, as Paul defines it, the items that are observable to managers and direct reports but would exclude peer participation is probably a pretty small subset, like team leadership items. Given the current rush to diminish performance appraisals and require that leaders have more effective interactions with their direct reports, the demand for upward feedback should be increasing exponentially. We'll see if that happens. If it did become a common practice, at least leaders, managers, radies, whatever, would know what is expected of them if they indeed supposed to be more effective at being a coach. On to your challenge to my solution on the sandbagger situation. You'll have to listen to episode six to understand uh, what I was talking about here. I was a little skeptical about people's objectivity uh, when they rate each other uh, peers when there's a limited pool of uh, you know promotions and money and that kind of thing. Um, In my response to your scenario, I did leave out one major point. One of the major advantages of 360s over single-source ratings is the power of having numbers to mute the impact of a single voice. It doesn't negate that voice. It may be valid to your point, but may also have significant error sources like bias, personal agenda, recency effect. The first book on this topic, 360-degree feedback by Edwards and Ewan from 1996, has one major problem that I told them multiple times. That is, endorsing the use of Olympic scoring where the top and bottom ratings are thrown out in the spirit of negating the problem you cite. I strongly believe we should assume all feedback is valid before assuming otherwise. 
I'll give you another source of error, combined with a powerful reason to discuss your feedback with your raters. True story. Leader, who by the way had a discussion with a coach on how best to conduct a feedback report with the team, has a report where every item has one person at the low end of the scale, a consistent outlier. Leader is counseled to not assume it is always the same person, but the pattern is pretty compelling. So he says to the team in the course of reviewing results and showing them the report, it appears that one of you has some issues with my leadership. I am not even going to guess or certainly not try to find out who it is. I will just ask that I would really appreciate it if that person would talk to me confidentially so that I can understand better and hopefully do something about it. I will say to all of you, if that is how someone feels, I also appreciate their honesty. That's all I'll say on the topic. Lo and behold, the person does appear at the leader's door. He is a relatively new employee who has never taken a 360 before. He says, that was me, and I was embarrassed to say that I completed the survey backwards. I didn't understand the rating scale. There are many messages in that story. One somewhat subtle one is that the leader's report clearly showed the rating distribution so he and the team could see there was this pattern. Everyone, including the leader's manager and anyone else, such as HR, could also clearly see what was dragging down his averages and why using scores as mechanical metrics for decision-making is not a great idea. And why we encourage getting as many raters to participate as is possible to reduce the impact of one person. That one person's feedback is still of value and the leader is constantly told to respect anonymity. I believe the ratee should have access to rating distributions and that reports that use indirect methods to show rating distributions, uh, range, in, range indicators and agreement indices, are well-intended, but prevent that leader, the most important customer, from effectively understanding the feedback. Regarding your comment about legal recourse for the rater, I try to design and train around the instrument to use a rating scale that encourages the rater to compare the ratee to other leaders. That's another long discussion, a whole chapter in the book. The message to raters is that it is highly unlikely that any leader is that good or bad to get all fives or ones or something approaching that across all items. If that's the situation we are getting sued for, responses to a single survey, then I would be glad to testify. But I am more concerned about the rater who has a pattern of giving usually very high ratings across multiple ratees and his abdicating his or her responsibility. I don't see any legal recourse to that situation unless the rater claims that there was insufficient training and or bad survey construction. A last editorial comment when you bring up legal challenges, they seem to be few in number with 360s, but I believe that the most significant defensible challenge to a 360 process would be lack of consistency. If the data and use are applied inconsistently across ratees, and that could possibly affect the decisions made about various participants, then that is a major problem. The list of those factors is another chapter, so I'd like to uh, once again thank Dave for participating. I'd also like to thank um, Paul Thorison for his really good question about 180s. And I will uh, post links to uh, their Twitter accounts and uh, their sites up on the webpage so you can check out the show notes if you want to learn more about Dave or Paul. And I will talk to you next time.